Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. So I'm going to tell you right up front. So a couple days ago, I had my three grandsons spend the night. It was Thursday night. So if I start to yawn or you hear my energy level going down, it's because, yeah, it's kind of a wearing thing. Three, two, and one, a little over three, a little over two, and just turned one with those little grand boys. So love to have them and uh, then keeping them entertained and so forth just takes a little out uh, of g-pop it takes a little bit out of us but we we love it and uh, and look forward to the next time we can we can do that again so anyway life goes on and life is fun so uh, we, we we try to make it fun most of the time anyway but here in talking money we're talking about some things that matter to everyone and that's your money we want to make sure we answer your questions so 877 nine four zero five is the phone line or the text line and give us a give us a call or send us a text and we'll try to get that um, that question on the air as soon as we can if not this week and next week as as we can so if you want to send a question indirectly i do check it sometime during the radio show at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com so if you want to send one during the week or any other time you go to the talkingmoneyradio.com website or you just type in mike at talkingmoneyradio.com for an email and send that to me and i'll be sure to uh, research if i need to and get an answer to your question had a couple of interesting questions come in from one listener just a couple of days ago that uh, i told him i would answer on the air so i want to do that first and, and it's questions that I, some times i take for granted assume people know that we can do certain things but uh, i shouldn't assume that so these are some good questions so he says in one of the last episodes you mentioned that our firm had one client that managed the money and finances but was concerned about the other partner when something happened to the money manager so this i've mentioned this a number of times in the past over the years that many people have come to us because one person one of the spouses took care of the money even sometimes a child or a parent and it's concerned about the child if something happened to them that they would have someone they could rely on that's going to help them through the the money mazes and make sure they're not being taken advantage of so he continues this is exactly our situation i've always been a do-it-yourselfer which i know a lot of listeners are uh retirement investment manager i do not mind and actually enjoy this tax my task my wife who is totally capable to manage our money uh, but thinks she is she thinks it's not an enjoyable task. I hear that many times before, too. Is there a relationship available with your firm that would set my mind at ease? Now, what about is there a relationship that would be available when I get older and might not be as capable as I am today? So he's he's only 63. hopes that in either case, uh, not in the near future, of course. And it's looking pretty good from his own calculations. His financial plan through the 90s looks pretty good. And so I, I think it's a great question because it's it's a... It's one that comes up fairly frequently and people wonder how in the world they can potentially use us. So a couple options here. So you can just tell, like I, I know other people have told their spouses that if something ever happens to me, you call Mike Miller, go call, talk money, uh, call what well, was planned first. Now call Ronald Blue Trust, but call him. And I, I'm confident that he will be on your side and take good care of you and get uh, and help you through all this uh, financial situation that we're in when you lose a spouse and then going forward because you've got other decisions that are going to be made later on that you might have made jointly you might have made for the other spouse whether it's to purchase a car what kind do i finance it do i pay in cash do i pay off my mortgage do i where's the best place to take money out first from a tax standpoint and from an investment standpoint should i take it out of a traditional ira my old 401k a roth ira my regular joint account my bank 
all the different places that are available to take money, I'm not not sure what's the best tax wise way to manage that cash flow. And that's something that, of course, that we do. So you can just tell some tell the spouse, and this could be the husband or the wife, that look, I want you to call them. We have bill paying services. We've got a lot of things that that we can help help with a surviving spouse or with anybody actually as they get older. But if you want to take it a little step further and more solidify that relationship, and I would say to make sure you really want the relationship with our firm, then you can do a couple of things. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Scott Clark from our office was on the radio with me. We were talking about a, an offer he was going to be, he was making to, for, for his clients, uh, for the Everyday Steward. And so it's a very simple way to, and not expensive way, for 500 bucks, you get a kind of a mini financial plan, kind of a, a paramedical physical and get somebody at least overlook, oversee, over uh, give an overview of what you're doing. Get a second opinion. You're a do-it-yourselfer? Well, what's it cost? $500 to get somebody else to look at it. And then if they tell you you're doing fine, well, then great. I think that's money well spent. If they tell you, well, here's some issues that you may need to consider or some techniques you haven't thought about or haven't used, it doesn't look like, I think you ought to consider using them. That's money well spent too, because now I've got some ideas that may save me some taxes. Maybe it'll increase my return. Maybe it'll reduce my risk. Many things that are in there. Or if it's a more complicated situation, I still think the same uh, thought process applies it maybe let's say it costs you i mean our fees for doing a financial plan can run anywhere from five hundred dollars to forty thousand was the highest one we've quoted and and have so somewhere in between there is going to be your most people are, are 1500 2500 somewhere in that range to do a complete financial physical and, and call it a second opinion whatever you want but we're going to look at everything to see is everything set up right and it's just a one-time thing there's no strings attached there's no ongoing commitment uh, unless you want it so it's it's there to help you have someone else look at what you've been doing to see does it look okay we didn't used to do this at plan first well uh, we never had the we didn't have the the right processes in place ronald blue trust has those through the everyday steward division and scott clark heads that part up but the the financial physical for those who are let's say million dollars or more up then the other advisors can do that as well when they're going to be charging a, a little higher fee because it's more complicated and it just takes longer to do that but then there again i i laugh sometimes at folks because you know when you go to the doctor and you pay sometimes a pretty good fee to get all these tests done you might have an echocardiogram you might have a heart catheterization you might have all different kinds of things to say am i okay and so you'll pay a fee, whatever those fees are, and you don't want the doctor coming back and telling you, well, you need to do this, that, and this, and the other to make sure you're in physical shape and you're uh, extending your life and watching out for other difficulties that you might have. You want them to come back and say, yeah, you're healthy, so you paid all this money for nothing because they told you that you're healthy. Well, you can look at the same that the same way with a financial plan. If you get a good financial plan done, you really don't want somebody to tell you that you need all these corrections to be made, but you you want them to tell you if, if you do. But if they say you're totally fine, you're doing everything correctly, which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen, you're doing things just fine, then to me that's that's put your mind at ease. Maybe put your spouse's mind at ease, plus it establishes the relationship with our firm. So now you've got that relationship, and maybe it's not till 10 years later that that, that you pass on or even longer but you've started that relationship. Maybe every couple of years you update it 
to make sure everything is still going like it's supposed to, but you've established that relationship. So now you have someone that your spouse, surviving spouse can go to. They already know us. They, we already know you and we can help much easier and much cleaner and much more easy on the transition than you could if, if it's just like, oh, just call those guys. If, if something happens to me, they'll take good care of you. His other question is a few years ago, I had a lawyer on your show and discussed wills, trusts, and estates. And this is before you combined with Ron Blue. I reached out to this lawyer and he did a good job on our will and estate. And later on, he says, as we did not have a good executor, he suggested two firms that could do this service. Neither firm's names have any significance to me. So I looked at the two websites and picked one, mostly just a guess. I understand that Ron Blue does that service. Could I get information on this service? I know you're not a lawyer, but this require would this require a will update or just strike through an initial? So one of the um, services that we now have through Ron Blue Trust, we are a trust company. So we can be the personal representative and we can be the trustee or we can be the backup trustee, which is many times the case where if somebody's their spouse is the first trustee, maybe they have a child that's the next trust trustee and they need to have someone if no one's available or capable or wants to do it, who's the backup? So Ronald Blue Trust can act as the backup trustee in your documents. So when you're with your attorney getting your documents done, you can just say, yes, I want Ronald Blue Trust named as my backup corporate trustee. And most of the time, as this question is, if you've already got someone else named, they should be able to do an addendum to it, uh, not necessarily strike through an initial, but uh, an addendum, an amendment to the documents that says, I want to change from here to here. Most documents should say, if they don't, that the, the heirs or the beneficiaries have the right to change the trustee if they want to. So even if you didn't do that, if you told your heirs, hey, I want you to change it to Ronald Blue Trust after the fact, but I think cleaner, easier that you just go ahead and set that and and less worry about lack of communication. You go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to name Ronald Blue Trust. I want my attorney to do that and get that taken care of now. So everything's pretty much in order. So you don't have to worry about that at the, at the time when that comes. All right. So we're going to get uh, a continuation now of what I started last week of looking through some of the lessons that uh, personal finance lessons that we can all learn from the year of COVID-19 and the pandemic from last year. An article was in the Wall Street Journal a week or so ago that I thought was interesting. So I've covered many of the points last week and we're going to finish and continue on that this week. But of course, we want to answer your questions. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. 
right, we've got about uh, 10 minutes here again before the next break at the bottom of the hour. So last week, we started talking about the 15 personal finance lessons we can all learn from the year of COVID-19 and the pandemic. So we talked about then the, uh, the first several that were listed, the emergencies do happen. We talked about we can be financially disciplined. We talked about buy when others are scared. We talked about managing your risks, which talked about some insurance and things like that, not uh, market related. And the next one is you need a will. So this these, these were written by a number of different financial advisors or professors across the, the country. This was written by Ted Jenkin. He's the co-CEO and founder of Oxygen financial in alpharetta georgia not too far from here uh, hop skipping a junk jump but this is a, a very important um area that we need to consider and i've covered it many many times i have had in several just like the listener that emailed me that had an attorney on so i try to have several times a year have one of the attorneys that we work with talk about estate planning so we can reach out and and give you some update information about things going on in the estate tax and estate planning and trust world but this will. So he says, there's never been a better time to put front and center the need for every adult to have a will. And I would add to that, that everyone has a will. You have one, either you have had it written, written for you, or the state has written it for you. So everyone's got a way. So the, the state has already set up a way to disperse of an individual's assets if they don't give any directives. So when you give directives, you give it through your own will. And that'll supersede what the state has, as long as you did it legally and so forth, all that. Um, but it's uh, interesting that um, times like this last year, he's indicating that a big lesson for 2020 is that you should be prepared for the worst. Well, I, you know, we've had a lot of different tragedies, but it's interesting over the years how many times I have been contacted by a client or radio listener who that some event, uh, either it's event like last year where they maybe had some friends, uh, family members, somebody that they knew that passed away, or just in general, they see people dying from COVID. Maybe they see them dying from flu or somebody has an accident and they die sooner than they expected them, than they thought they should or would have. And so it makes them think, okay, yes, I need to go ahead and get my will done. So some event triggers that. Well, I've had people that call, have called that are going to the hospital, in the hospital, where they've said, I need somebody to come do my will. Well, there's certain uh, criteria that, they've, that the attorney has to use and be careful. And it, I think it's still true that the hospital staff cannot sign as witnesses to documents that are done in the hospital, kind of a deathbed type thing. Even though it may not be a deathbed, it could be just somebody's going into surgery heart surgery and because of complications they want to make sure their estate is in order so they get the attorney to come draft it they should have to pay more and probably will to get it done expeditiously and get it in there while before they have the surgery and then have somebody else come in to sign the same thing happens probably more frequently when people are going to take a trip my wife and I are going to take a trip overseas. That's typically where I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to go overseas. And those trips make them think, wow, what if something happened to us on this trip? Odds are nothing's going to happen to them any more than it would be if they were driving from their house to their office. But it's still, it, it it's that event that triggers the need or the supposed need. That, wow, I got to, I got to rush and do this. So he says, Ted says, whether you've built a net worth like Tony Shea, and Tony Shea was the one that was former CEO of Zappos. He's uh, sold that. I have an article about him. I didn't bring it with me today, but talked about he didn't have a will. This guy sold his business for a billion dollars. He's 
uh, purported to be worth now, I think, uh, seven or eight hundred million. So uh, I, I assume taxes took care of part of that, or he just been spending money because they say he did a lot of that too. Uh, but he didn't have a will, and people assume that oh yeah, so and so has a good financial advisor, or I'm sure they would because of their role, because they're smart, or their their position would call for it. Well, uh, never assume that because we've seen a lot of people like this, uh, Tony Shea, and also. Uh, we've seen many articles on well-known um, Hollywood people that have died without a will. Nobody knew what they wanted, how their assets, and all these people come out of the woodwork to say, yes, I'm supposed to get part of that. Yeah, I, I'm sure you you were. And I've got this written on this napkin that he told me. Um, so then he says, so whether you had, uh, uh, were you Tony Shea or you are worth $10,000, it's important for the family you leave behind to understand the wishes you have for your assets and belongings. He says it's also important to check your beneficiary designations, something we've talked about many, many times on Talking Money. You need to not assume that your beneficiary designations are correct. You need to actually go look at them, look online to see if the company did indeed list the beneficiaries as you thought they were listed. You don't want to have to, you'll never find out if they were wrong because you'll be gone at that time. So your beneficiary might find out that, whoa, I thought um, dad or I thought my, my spouse had me as beneficiary. And 401ks has some different rules and who's supposed to automatically be as beneficiary and the spouse has to be unless they sign off and so forth. But then he reminds on life insurance, 401k or an IRA. They are a contract of law and will go to that named beneficiary whether or not you have a will. So you have a will and you may say your assets go certain places, but the life insurance 401k, IRA, uh, through annuity contracts, those all have beneficiary designations, they're contracts, so they go to whomever's listed as that. So uh, many people, you, you need to be uh, also mindful of the fact that, let's say I have a, a spouse, a, a child, uh, several children, and several in-laws, and you might assume that if the child predeceases you and the in-law that assuming you've got a great relationship with the in-law and they're taking care of your grandkids and so forth, that, that they would automatically be the one that would inherit the, the assets from you. That's not an automatic thing. So a the children could be listed easily, all right, but not because they could be just be named per sterpy. So any children, and if as long as they're a legal child of yours, they'll be uh, automatically the next one in line if something happens to you but not your surviving spouse unless you name that spouse uh, as a beneficiary. Name that in-law as the beneficiary. They're not going to be automatically named just because they happen to be your son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And many of you are thinking, Whew, I'm so glad. I didn't want them to get the money anyway. So in that case, it's all taken care of. They're not going to get it. But you just keep that in mind. And also you want to protect in the event that the if, the, if there's any concern that the children may get the assets and they're married and you think there might be a, a chance of a divorce, then you can do certain things, set up trust in certain ways that the, the spouse, the in-law, would not get the assets even in the event of a divorce. So there's a lot of ways to do those kinds of things. Okay, another one, uh, the next one line, your personal finances reflect your values. So he says, uh, this is written by Jared Snyder partner and senior wealth advisor at Accentual Wealth Advisors in Oklahoma City. He says, um, many people have connected, he says to their why, that reconnected personal finances with the things most important to them, how they use their time, 
how their money fuels their family and home life, what their investments support and fund, how their careers enrich their lives. Personal finance does not exist in a vacuum, he says. It exists in light of what we value most. So I could tell you, I know um, I've heard several people say this, and I would agree that if, if, if I were to really want to find out what your values were, just give me your checkbook. And a lot of people don't have the checkbook, but give me your bank statement online and, and, and let me see where you've spent your money the last six months. I can, that tells me a lot about you and what is most important in your life. So last year, just reminded people, he says of what they value and also also helped identify what is not important. So some of the things that we thought were important going through this pandemic has helped us realize, well, no, that's not as important as I thought it was. As Christians, I think, of course, at Ronald Blue, we're always doing that, is trying to get your values aligned with your financial situation. So we're asking the question, well, how much is enough for you? So people that are that are wealthy or even just well-to-do uh, that you say, okay, I've got this much money. How much do I really want to pass on to my children? How much do I really want to instead pass on to ministries or other types of charities that I would really like to help support either now uh, which is really nice to do or at my death and and as a believer if you're thinking if you realize that God owns it all it puts a totally different perspective on how you look at your own finances God owns it all you're just a steward and you're the one who's supposed to decide where's the best place for it to go we'll be right back after this break Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. That phone number I just gave in the little spot, 800-588-7526 is my office number. So if you want to check with me to see if we might be a good fit, be able to help you, as I mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, the option of doing a financial physical, establishing a relationship with a financial advisory firm, in this case, a trust company, in, in order to make sure that your surviving spouse is protected and you have a relationship there. So if something happens to you, that that relationship and that surviving spouse would be able to use that relationship to continue relying on on us for their financial questions and and guiding financially as as we all get older we have a lot of younger people in the office to that are that are learning that are already in place to help uh, the same type of philosophy the same types of financial planning some really sharp people We've got a lot of cpas certified financial planners uh at, at our office and then of course firm wide there's backup even 
beyond the Greenville office. So we've got things pretty well laid out to make sure that you and your spouse are going to be taken care of. And I even mentioned the fact that we've got um, a bill pay service that we can um, implement for someone as they get older. And we've had even people ask us, they've, they've call in from out of town, say, my, I can't be there with my mom, my dad, uh, but they really need help with their bills in the past as planned first we weren't able to help with that but now we can as Ronald blue trust we have that uh, bill pay service that we can help do it's very reasonable i think if you need that kind of help of course it's not less expensive than you doing it yourself and and really a lot of times you can do stuff like that yourself even remotely because you can just get the bank information do everything online you don't have to worry about it and do things automatically uh, but for those who who need that help or that extra accountability somebody that's watching them to make sure that they're not spending money. It's one thing you helping them pay their regular bills. It's another thing making sure they don't spend money on something that they shouldn't be spending money on. Uh, maybe they get these political campaigns calling them and they want to do this, that, or the other. may not be the best thing for them to do, especially if someone gets dementia, all early Alzheimer's, and they are doing things, maybe spending money that they shouldn't be spending. It's a way for you to help them keep from hurting themselves and doing things you know they really wouldn't want to do if they were in their right mind. So we're talking about personal financial lessons we can learn from the year of COVID. We've already covered a lot of these today, covered some, several of them today, uh, several of them last week. If you missed it, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We've already posted last show's podcast uh, as a podcast on TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You can listen to it a lot of different ways, whatever your favorite is. You can listen to it there probably, and then you can skip parts that you don't want to listen to fast forward rewind whatever and get that kind of information but we're very transparent out there we're very open to everything you can see that uh, we've done we're, we're not hiding anything we're not selling anything we're here to try to give you the the information that you need so another one of these personal finance lessons this was written by what's uh maddie dykewald co-founder of age wave a think tank and consultancy in the san francisco bay area says uh, your person uh, says uh, retirement plans need flexibility so the importance of not having retirement plans and expectations set in stone uh, in the interesting uh, statistic he gives he says a whopping 81 million americans reported that their retirement timing has been impacted by the pandemic with most believing that they will need to work longer than they had previously planned according to a survey on work and retirement attitudes and expectations that my firm AgeWave has just conducted. So interesting, he says, most are putting off retirement for an average of about three years. I think that's very interesting. My notes here say since most kept their jobs and investments have done well. So I'm curious, the second part of that, why? Obviously, to me, it's got to be a concern of what still might happen down the road not because of their own personal financial situation, because they probably still have their job and they their investments, if they're invested at all, they've, they've done well in the last year, over a year. Things still up well for the first part of this year. So you just you, you want to be careful and have what we've talked about. We'll talk about um, later about the three-bucket approach and having enough liquidity so that you're not so dependent on just the stock market. You've got enough. You, you pay down debt or pay off debt at retirement so that you just have less to be concerned about and not necessarily a need so much money each month to just service your debt. Well, that's gone. So you're just talking about basic bills and you can always cut back on a vacation or trip, which many people did last year to help reduce your cash flow. Um, but that gives you more flexibility if you don't have to worry about paying off the debt. So, and, and another 
very good piece of advice is to be sure you think about what you want to do in retirement. So you won't want to retire to something, not just retire from something. Uh, the next uh, lesson would be things won't stay bad or good forever. This is written by Jeff Mills, Chief Investment Officer of Brian Maher Trust in uh, Berwyn, uh, Pennsylvania. So um, that's something we've talked about on Talking Money many times as well. He says, extrapolating the recent past too far into the future is a big mistake. This is known as recency bias. And it's one of our biggest downfalls as humans. Last year taught us a powerful lesson in both directions. Optimism was the order of the day in early 2020 with the market making all-time highs. Compare that with March when things looked like they would never recover. In both cases, investors would have been well served not to assume the recent past was going to continue forever. Many investors we spoke with in March wanted to make dramatic changes to their investments because they were assuming things would continue to get worse. So that's why a diversified portfolio that you can stick with, regardless of market environment, should be the cornerstone. So we say that uh, many times. Your best portfolio strategy design is the one you will stick with. And as another reminder, if you're the kind that's going to invest in something like stocks, and when it goes 10, 15, down 20, whatever whatever your trigger point is, and you bail out at that time, then you should have never had either any of it in or at least not as much as you did so that you wouldn't feel so bad about leaving it alone because that happens um, you know, too many times that people start making those kind of decisions when they shouldn't be making those kind of decisions. The next one is, this time is different. It says, not. It's, it says, investors find it increasingly hard to differentiate the economic ramifications versus the results created by the media. When the downturn is caused by a pandemic, it adds another layer of complexity to the confusion. The brain says this time is different. The truth is, each recession is different, but the discipline which investors adopt to manage their portfolios should remain intact. So you want to have enough liquidity. You don't want to sell out of despair and those kind of things. So this time is no different from any other time. It's time in the in the market rather than timing the market that matters in the long run. This is Jessica Guao, Financial Advisor and Senior Portfolio Manager, International Wealth Management Advisor at UBS and uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts. Number 10, the market always fools us. Uh, it's always an interesting one, right? He says, uh, this is written by Alan Roth, founder of Wealth Logic in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He says, in the 33 days between March 19, February 19th and March 23rd, when the pandemic gained its foothold in the U.S., domestic stocks plunged nearly 35%. Many people told me stocks would not recover until we had a vaccine. Even some people who realized the phase this time is different, which we just talked about, was the costliest phrase and investing told me this time really is different. So why did stocks recover and soar in the wake of such horrible economic news? The weaker explanation is that the decline in future corporate cash flows was less than the reduction in the discount rate used to value those stocks. This was caused by plunging and now near zero interest rates. The much stronger explanation is simply that the stock market continues to fool us. So if you caught the first part of that paragraph and the explanation as you get the more technical stuff, uh, but that, you know, who knows? The stock market just fools us. We don't know why it does. There's there's expectations there that we don't always see that, that are behind the soon scenes. So he says, the lesson learned, if we can't even explain the past, just think how futile it is to try to predict the market's future. And goes back to this same thing we've talked about many times, and it's the next point. You should have a three-bucket strategy, he says. Brian Walsh, Senior Financial Advisor at Walsh & Nicholson Financial Group in Wayne, Pennsylvania, he says that it, this COVID proved once again that every investor should always have an investment plan and strategy that can weather events 
such as what we have experienced. I think you can get a, a feel for a trend here when they're talking to any of these people about investing, how important it is to have a long-range plan, how important it is to stick with that plan no matter what, and to make sure, like in this three-bucket of strategy, that you have enough liquidity so that you're not concerned and don't have to worry about touching the investments that go down. And many of the clients that we have, the the growth portion especially, something they'll never touch. It's not even for them. It's for their family. It's for their children. It's for their grandchildren. It's for a ministry. And so if it happens to be down when they pass on, well, that's not that's not how you want to pass it on because you want to certainly pass on as much of the step and basis as you can, but it's not the end of the world because hopefully they won't sell it and they'll just hold on to it until it goes back up again. But it's the three bucket of strategy, I think, is just very important to help you weather these storms. So you have a short-term bucket, which things I need in the next year or two, that's going to be in something that's not making any money. may even feel like it's losing money, 0.1% or whatever it's making at the bank. But it's money you know you, that you can get to. Maybe short-term municipal bonds is another option there. Intermediate term, uh, that's that's expenses I think I'll need to spend uh, two, five, maybe even as long as 10 years. And then you get to your long-term bucket, which consists of the stuff that you're not going to leave for at least five and probably longer, 10 years. And you can leave that alone. You know it's going to go up and down. I can, I can, there's one thing I can guarantee you. If you're investing in the stocks, they're, they're going to go down in price. I'm not saying they're going down in value. That's a completely different thing. But they're going to fluctuate in price, not value. And, and eventually, if history repeats itself, the price will go back up to what the value is. So you don't let these annuity salespeople and those that are always touting, you know, we got your money safe and so forth. That Yeah, okay, maybe safe from volatility, but it's not safe from the, the, um, the risks of cost of living going up and inflation and so forth. And they may say, yes, it is somewhat because there are some increases in there, but it just, it just can't be. It just doesn't work that way. Insurance company is not that smart. So I think that's where that three-bucket approach certainly comes in handy. All right, we're a little behind for the last break. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 588 plan that's 1-800-588-7526 now back to talking money we're in the home stretch here of talking money this is mike miller your host for today and every saturday morning at 10 o'clock so glad you're with us if you want to send me a personal question to see if i can help you out send that question to mike 
at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So love to get questions from listeners and try to help as best I can. So we're talking about the lessons learned from a pandemic year. We have 15 of them that the Wall Street Journal listed. And actually, I might get through them all, uh, not because we didn't have questions, but that's part of it. We've got 12, 13, 14, and 15 left. So number 12 is rebalancing pays off. This is probably the hardest one that I talked about. So this is written by Jonathan Guyton, principal at Cornerstone Wealth Advisors in Minneapolis. Rebalance your portfolio when market movements cause your equity mix to stray from your target percentage. So one thing, it's important for you to know what those target percentages are so that you know if they're off balance. So this past year, when you see the the market went down in, in March, then that was time to say, okay, I'm going to actually take some of my fixed income that has that now I'm, I'm out of whack. So my fixed income is too high a percentage and I need to get uh, back into those right percentages. If you did that back then, you would have made even more money last year because you would have been buying uh, more investments when prices were down. That's why it's so hard to do. It's it's easy for me to say this. And it's easier for you to even listen to it and say, yeah, that makes sense. That's very logical. And then when it happens and you're in the middle of it, there's there's that thought keeps creeping in. Yeah, I know it's down, but it's going to go. I hear all these talking heads on the news telling me it's going to keep going down. It's never going to go back up until we have a vaccine or whatever. And you freeze. And so you don't do that. So that's where it helps sometimes to have an outside advisor say, nope, we want to at least partially get back in to get you back to the right allocations. So he says in most years, rebalancing helps your portfolio's return by a percentage point or two. Once in a while, it can double or triple this when equity, equity markets decline steeply and recover like during the 2007-09 recession. And I would say just go back to 2020. We probably have something similar to that just in 2020. But I'm, I'm, would love to see where he came up with the uh, analysis statistics to say it's, it's in most years it helps you. Because I, I don't think that's going to be right because the market goes up most years. So taking profits from stocks and they keep going up, uh, that can't help you return that year. I mean, that's got to reduce your return because you got some out of stocks and put them into fixed income. Now, what it does do, I think over time, yes, it helps increase your return because what are you doing? You're you're putting some risk controls in place. So to me, it's it's more of a risk control to do the rebalancing as much as it is potentially a return enhancer because you're taking some off the top, off the table, some of these uh, market returns that you've had that you put back into something else that didn't, that is not performing as well, uh, and you rebalance back to those targets. But that's going to keep some of that stock off the table, which means, of course, you're going to lose uh, some of that return if those stocks keep going up. Uh, but it's going to help you when the stocks take the next hit because you're not going to be in there as much. And I think that's very important. It gives you more of a a steady eddy kind of approach that uh, I think is is good long-term. So he says, however, you won't realize these benefits unless you actually do the rebalancing. Otherwise, all you realize is your fear of missing out when markets do eventually turn. And they, they always have. We can't ever say that they always will, but they always have. So number 13, stay invested. And then Mike, my, my, he says, last year's tumultuous market reinforced the importance of staying invested. My little comments here, I've got comments all over these uh, pieces of paper that I that I printed for this. I say this is in all caps a strategy. Stay invested is a strategy because I hear people all the time say, "Well, my, my advisor didn't do anything when the market went down." 
Well, if I, if I have a prospective client come in that says that's the only reason they want to come in, I, I want to qualify that better because maybe there's a reason they didn't do anything. If the if the portfolio was designed in anticipation of that, so it's well diversified, you've got your buckets, you've got plenty of, of money that's set aside that's not in the market, uh, then you shouldn't react. They shouldn't react just because it's down 10 or 15. That's the thing that you don't want to do. After And typically, from my experience, the market goes down a whole lot faster than when it goes back up. So you had the market going down real fast in March, and then it, then it took the rest of the year to go back up much higher than it went uh, was before it even went down in March. That, that's just how things happen so quickly. So you've got to be so careful about making those panicky moves. He says, many investors panicked and went cash fearing the worst anyone who tried to time the market and go more conservative is probably feeling a bit of regret he says this was um, written by uh, david blanchett he's head of retirement research at morningstar investment management in uh, lexington kentucky so it's um you know just you just got to be careful you got to make sure that you you do stay and stick to your plan that's the generally going to be the best strategy you could have and this other one was kind of interesting that this uh person this is yanley uh Espinal, Director of Education Outreach at NextGen Personal Finance in New York. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but he says, have a side gig. And I say, great idea if you can do it. But I think having a bucket strategy, paying down, paying off debt, that's really better for most people to do that as opposed to trying to come up with another side gig. He says, it's critical to have a mix of income sources. And like I said, most people, that's not going to happen. They're going to be too tired after a regular job to go do another job or start something else. That's not going to happen. I think a mix of types of accounts is probably important because you're talking about having some IRA, traditional IRA, some Roth IRA, some of just regular after-tax brokerage accounts, a joint account with you and your spouse. Having different types of accounts gives you a lot of flexibility when you're trying to figure out how best to um, pay or distribute your cash when you start needing the income. So in retirement, when you start to take money out instead of putting money in, then that's important to to know the best way tax-wise taking in consideration your own tax bracket, taking consideration how much your social security is going to be taxable and all those kind of things. So, and a lot of big uh, opportunities for a lot of people are this window of opportunity between now their retirement age 72 was 70 and a half. So now let's say you retired age 60 and you don't have a required minimum distribution until age 72 but then you also have the qualified charitable distribution available still at age seven and a half. A lot of different things you can use. And I, I caution people again, don't convert all your money from a traditional IRA to a Roth. That sounds good, but then that's going to just defeat the purpose of trying to utilize that qualified charitable distribution when you get to age seven and a half, where you can make gifts tax-free out of that traditional IRA. And if you've already taken all the money out and paid all the taxes on it, that defeats the purpose. You don't, you just don't want to do that. So have a side gig with that one. The last one is number 15. Yes, bonds are still important. So bonds, of course, as opposed to stock, it's it's something that you get from a, a company issues to say they want to get financing, but they don't want to go to the bank. They want to go to bonds. So you you buy a bond that's been issued by uh, Exxon or somebody, and you say, oh, they'll they'll give you a a note that says I'm going to, this bond says I'll pay your interest over five years, three years, 10 years, whatever it is. And then when it's through, I give you your money back. 
And the higher the interest rate, typically the less safe the bond is, the lower the interest rate, the safer it is. And typically you're going to have uh, a better chance of getting your money back. But it says uh, the events of last year have reinforced the importance of including fixed income within one's portfolio. This is Jonathan Sheckman, financial advisor at Oppenheimer and Company in New York. Uh, when COVID first hit mid-February to the end of March, the S&P 500 plummeted in 34%. A diversified portfolio of equities and fixed income outperformed the broad stock market during the scariest times of the year. The stabilizing bond exposure helped many investors stay the course and minimize emotional selling during this time. So things that we've covered uh, many, many times before. So yes, it's very important to have those bonds. I think the even... With some other resources we have now with the credit investors, with private credit, there's some very unique opportunities there for people who are accredited to potentially get some higher yields, less liquid type investments, but uh, in the past have certainly generated a higher income than the regular corporate bond market that most people are in. And that's in private credit. We have uh, a number of options for that for clients of ours who are accredited investors Um as well. So you got a million dollars plus in net worth and higher income and all that kind of thing that for accredited investors. So some of the larger accounts, but not necessarily super large. We don't put a lot of money into that, but it's still a nice to have that option for, for clients. Okay. So we got less than a minute left. So we appreciate everyone joining here today for talking money. If you've got a question you want to ask me during this week, or if you want to check to find out if we can help you at Ronald Trust with your own financial planning and trust trust arrangements and so forth, um, you can give me a call at 800-588-7526. spells out plan. So you go 800-588-PLAN or 7526. Or send me an email at mike at com. com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week for uh, some more fun talking money. See you then. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.